And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you're setting the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from an internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as you want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I am your host, as always, Ronnie Landis, and we have an extraordinary episode lined up for you. We have a special guest. Her name is Christine Hassler. She is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, master coach, podcast, and TV host who is committed to guiding people in organizations to their highest potential. Christine, it's an honor and pleasure to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Enjoying like a winter day again in Encinitas. I don't know what's going on in Southern California, but it's cold and rainy again. Yeah, I've noticed uh, Southern California recently has had a bit of an identity crisis. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the people that are drawn here are starting to impact the environment. You know, so many people that come to Southern California. California have an identity crisis, <laughs> me being one of them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a funny thing in of itself. Yeah, anyway, we could, I was just about to go on a little tangential about that. We will, we will, dive, we will digress from that. Um, so look, I, I was thinking of a set of questions that I wanted to dive into with you. I've um, loosely followed your work on and off for a little while, just through mutual friends, I became aware of you through your book, The Expectation Hangover, that I saw on my good friend Josh Trent's um, bookshelf when I was living with him. He's a podcast host, and he had you on your show, his show, a little while back. So um, that title popped out to me. I was like, Expectation Hangover. That sounds like a good topic, which is something I want to dive into with you. But I was looking at your social media today. And you were talking about something that's really near and dear to my heart, which is the whole phenomenon with the butterfly and the caterpillar. And so this is a perfect way Mm -hmm. to contextualize how I want to open up this conversation with you. 
one of the things you said in your Instagram post was the caterpillar does all the work, but the butterfly gets all the credit. And um, I'd love for you to actually maybe just share what you meant by that, because it's such a profound insight into the nature of transformation Mm -hmm. and the hero's journey that we all inevitably go through and are perpetually on. So I'd love for you maybe just to share a little bit about what you meant by that and kind of we'll dive a little deeper. Sure. Well, actually, it was George Carlin who said it, the comedian. And I um, picked that particular quote because I I wrote this passage about the caterpillar because I saw one on our walk. Actually, we were walking and Stefano saw it. And it's rare to see a caterpillar, especially at this time of year and especially a monarch caterpillar because, you know, anyway, we don't need to go into that. But, and, and all the like images and quotes that I saw about butterflies was like, you know, butterflies fly and like, you know, what was once a caterpillar then becomes a butterfly and all the quotes made the butterfly better. And I'm like, well, that just reinforces the misunderstanding that once you're through a breakthrough, it's better. And I think one of my frustrations of being in the personal growth industry for as long as I have, because my first book came out in 2005, is that a lot of people are sold on the fact that unless you're breaking through and unless you're flying, you're not there. And that see, we've kind of attached this goal-oriented approach to personal development. It's like break through, break free, fly, you butterfly, hustle, you're a unicorn, you can do it. And I think it's really misleading to people because first of all, growth is cyclical, right? And we're never there. And there are moments where I have felt like a butterfly, like I have felt like, wow, I really got to the other side of a profound transformation. And then four months, a year, a week later, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm a caterpillar again, like creeping along. And it really is the caterpillar that's willing to go through the transformation metaphorically. You know, caterpillars don't have a brain like we do, but metaphorically, it is willing to crawl around, to find a place, to build a cocoon, to do all the work that's required in the cocoon with no guarantee that it will ever become a butterfly. And I think that that is the the important work that's not the not so glamorous work that often doesn't get talked about is when we're in those caterpillar moments where we are on our knees, we are on the ground, where we are having panic attacks, where we are questioning who we are, where we feel like we're losing our mind, where we feel like our heart is literally going to break open, where we feel so alone, where we feel like no one understands us, like that we'll never get out of it. And I know very few humans, unless they're really good at suppression and distraction, that haven't had those moments. And it is a requirement of transformation. Now, do I believe that our whole life has to be hell? You know, that we have to go through these hell moments to have transformation? No. I think that there are different dips. I think that we can transform through joy and gratitude. There's all different ways we can transform. And, you know, I've had my rock bottom moments that I haven't ever gone below you know, those rock bottom moments that were game changers for me that I've never really had to go back to. Because luckily I've had teachers and guides in my own system that that I've developed that has shown me how to really like heal so I don't have to go back and repeat things. But I've chosen the passive growth. So have you, otherwise we wouldn't be talking. And my soul is here to evolve. So it's going to get it's going to evolve as much as it can in this life. And that evolution requires those caterpillar moments. 
It's, it's really a brilliant perspective. One of the things that I sometimes talk about in my lectures, my, my work has really been centered and focused on human optimization from a health and nutrition physiological mm-hmm. perspective. But over the years, it's, it's been the intersection between the psychological, the emotional, the physical and the spiritual and bringing more of a holistic humanistic yeah. perspective to what it means to be an evolved human being and having those quadrants really integrated together, having more of a integrative and holistic conversation of the human experience and what it means to be an optimized human being. And as you know, and as you're brilliantly laying out, that's not a straight line, right? Nature doesn't operate in straight lines and operates in zigzags and patterns and, and spirals, and it can look a bit messy. And one of the things about that particular thing with the, the whole butterfly chrysalis analogy is that, you know, Bruce Lipton talks about the fact that built into that is something called imaginal cells. And so the way that I look at that is that built into all living organisms, especially the human being, there's these imaginal cells that are like evolutionary catalysts. So we're literally wired for evolution and we're wired for transformation. And um, I kind of actually, before I go any deeper, into my questions, I'd like to kind of get your, your feedback or perspective on what I just said, because, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, if we can remember that when we're going through the dissolvement yeah. of our identity, of our ego, of our, our prior yeah. comfort zones, our relationships or whatever it is, if we can keep that in our mind to the best of our ability, um, I think it means it's, it's yeah. the difference between um, night or day and in some cases, life or death. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what I hear you saying is really about IntelliKey. You know, it's it's the IntelliKey of an acorn to turn into a tree. It's the IntelliKey of a caterpillar to turn into a butterfly. It's the IntelliKey of a soul to evolve. And just like we all learn to crawl, we all learn to walk, we all learn to chew food, we all learn to speak, we we learn as well to transform. And I believe it is our soul's IntelliKey, especially at the time we're living in, to wake up and to evolve. And even though there's a part of us that is in the shit of it (laughs) and in the struggle of it, there's another part that knows where we're headed. And the mind likes to have certainty. The mind likes to know, well, Am I am I going to have money? What what job am I going? Am I going to move to the city? It likes it likes identification with things, but the soul is not about that at all. And so, in my um, difficult times, that's always been a good thing for me to remember: is that my there is an intelligence deep inside of me that will get me through this. I don't know how long. I don't know what exactly it's going to look like, but my soul is here to evolve. And that's not just true for me. That's for every human being. And, you know, I have a master's degree in spiritual psychology. And one of the things that I love about studying spiritual psychology instead of the traditional psychology approach, which is more about labels and disorders and, you know, kind of blaming your past and talk, 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 is that spiritual psychology brings the soul back to psychology. (laughs) And one of the first principles we learned is that Every human being has all the inner resources they need to evolve and to heal. Now, one of the inner resources we have is our ability to ask for help. I definitely, even though I have the IntelliKey of my soul, I needed my teachers, my healers, my friend, my support system. The difference between us and the caterpillar is that caterpillar just in the cocoon alone. It's all instinctual. But because we're far more complex organisms, 
we, we do, we're, we're pro-social beings. We need each other. And so not, we don't need anyone to come fix us or come save us. In fact, no one can, but often we need someone to point out the inner resources we have. We need someone to teach us the, the toolbox we have inside our mind and emotional body and spirituality. And that's been a big part of my journey too, is like trusting that part of the intelligence of my soul is having the wisdom for who to choose in terms of going to for a guide and knowing that I'm, I don't have to do it all on my own. So that's been an important thing for me as well. I, I absolutely love and resonate with everything you're sharing. It's part and parcel to not just my work, but my own personal journey, my life experience. And so um, with that share, it's the perfect, it's the perfect setup. I'd like to kind of now kind of take a step forward, take a step back, however you look at it by kind of just, I want to go into a little bit about your personal story. I want to, I want to go into the concept that you coined, which is the expectation hangover. And I heard in an interview that you were in about your story of going from Hollywood and discovering the life that you thought you wanted, but was in fact not the life that brought fulfillment. So I'd love for you to kind of go into that story. What was that personal hero's or heroine's journey like for you? And how did the idea of expectation hangover kind of come about? About okay. Well, I'm getting like every other word, but I'm getting good chunks. So I think I'm pretty sure I know what you said. <laughs> it's just cutting out a lot. So I'm pretty sure you asked me about what was my hero's journey like in terms of leaving the entertainment industry, and then how did that inspire expectation hangover, and what is an expectation hangover? Okay, cool. So, uh, well, gosh, I feel like I've lived like six or seven lives, you know, in my adulthood. So my journey to Hollywood, um, I moved out to LA when I was 20 years old. And really, I, what, what drove me, I didn't know it, but what drove me was just massive insecurity. I really wanted to be somebody. And since I was teased and felt very alone as a kid... I, I never felt like I fit in. I never felt like I belonged. The ho- Hollywood was kind of the adult version of the popular crowd that I always wanted to be a part of. So it was, it was me trying to prove myself, me trying to fit in to the cool kids group. And that made me very, very, very ambitious. And that's the thing about what I call these, I call them compensatory strategies. So compensatory strategies are the strategies or the behaviors that we invent to compensate for where we feel less than unsafe, unloved. And so I felt less than unsafe and unloved with my peers in the sense of belonging. And the only way that I could compensate for that was just to become an incredible overachiever. Because since I wasn't popular and I didn't have friends, I could be smart. And so that became how I got validation and how I felt like a sense of belonging anywhere. And that was my compensatory strategy. I'm just going to overachieve. So I graduated from college early and I just was a, I was a hustler. You know, I just really worked my way up quickly. I was promoted to an agent by the time I was 25, which is very young. Usually you have to spend a lot more time um, working your way up. And I was dating head of a movie studio at the time. And I was going to all the Oscars and Golden Globes and hanging out with celebrities and private jets. And I quickly began to realize, oh, wow, like money and fame definitely don't buy happiness. Because I see a lot of rich, famous people, and they're not happy. They're basically snorting lines of cocaine <laughs> every chance they get. And not everybody, 
but enough to burst my bubble. Um, and I was living in when then's, you know, when I get promoted, then I'll like this job, you know, when I make the salary, then you know, I, I, I was never really happy. And I kept waiting for the someday when I'd like my job and I'd actually be happy. It never came. And on my way up to work one day, I had a bit of an anxiety attack and I just knew, I just knew I wasn't in the right place. And that, that moment of knowing I needed to leave my job. And then also the moment at 31 where I knew I needed to leave my first marriage were like two massive dark night of the soul turning points for me, you know, and leaving the career was giving up the identity of, you know, being, having, being a career woman and being super successful and taking a massive leap into the unknown. Luckily I found my purpose and I found my passion, but it wasn't an overnight thing leaving that marriage also was another dark night of the soul of leaving security, leaving like someone that was a good person, leaving every, leaving like the future that I had predicted so much, so much uncertainty and grief and that leaving the person who financially had my back and was supporting me in so many ways and jumping into that massive sea of uncertainty. But that taught me so much about myself. It taught me so much about you know, finding my own sense of safety and security. It led me to the love of my life, Stephanos, who I know you interviewed. But I had to be willing to go through those massive places of uncertainty. And those two pivotal moments that were massive expectation hangovers in my life really became the foundation for what I write about in Expectation Hangover and what I teach in my personal mastery course, which is any kind of expectation hangover, which is disappointment. When one of three things happen, either life doesn't go according to plan, life does go according to plan, but you don't feel like you thought you would, or life just throws you an unexpected curveball you're thrown into a massive sea of uncertainty. You do have hangover-like symptoms in the sense that you have a headache from all the thinking. You're spinning in confusion. There's regret. You just want to be out of it. You're like, what pill can I take to get me out of all of this like cacophony of shit feelings? <laughs> and what I learned from my own life in coaching people, let's say I had been a coach for 10 years when I wrote that book, was that disappointment is the doorway to incredible transformation and healing and often is the doorway to what's most aligned for us. But most of us are so uncomfortable in disappointment. We just do whatever we can to get to the other side of it. We get the other job, we get into the other relationship, we numb ourselves through overworking or drinking or whatever it may be. And we just sort of like brush it under like take the advice that time heals all wounds. I don't know about you, Ronnie, but like, I don't want to wait for time to heal all my wounds. And honestly, time has never really truly healed them. It's just like help numb them more, you know, cause I'm not, not so close to them. <laughs> so I really wanted to take everything that I've learned from all my teachers and from my own work, both my clients and myself and put it into expectation hangover, which teaches you really how to heal and leverage disappointment on the emotional, mental, behavioral and, and spiritual level. And what I mean by leverage is that when you really milk disappointment for all it's worth, when you really go into an expectation hangover and ask, what am I learning versus why is this happening? Oh my gosh, you can connect so many dots. You can have not only insights, but insights that lead to integration, insights that lead to releasing an emotion you've kept for years, healing an old wound that you've carried around, changing the neural nets in your brain by believing a different belief, diving deeper into your spiritual practice. I mean, most people arrive at their spiritual, spiritual practice because something 
terrible has happened. I love um, the line from the U2 song, Mysterious Ways, that says, if you want to kiss the sky, you have to learn how to kneel. And that's how so many of us reach spirituality. We're on our knees going, please help me. (laughs) And we need those moments of surrender. So, you know, those two massive expectation hangovers in my life that were so tied to things that I thought I wanted and things that I thought were going to be forever and things that at one point I felt so certain about and, and having it go and it, it really challenging my whole sense of identity. Those were like massive catalysts in my life. This is so powerful. There's so many things that you've, you've kind of brought awareness to. Two things come to my mind. One, Tony Robbins said that um, the greatest failure is to get everything you want and still not be happy, still not yeah. be fulfilled. And I, I've felt the pain of that, and it sounds like you have too. And yeah. so first of all, like that, that quote is just like so heavily charged with just truth. And that's, that's kind of what came up for me as you were talking about that and how many of us, how many people are out there on these, these pursuits, goal achieving, just like almost manically focused, single-mindedly focused Mm -hmm. on the externalized goals, but not really fulfilled on the journey. Right. Right. Yes. And, and when we're not seeing, that's the thing. Fulfillment is to me, fulfillment comes from contentment. And we can only feel content when we have such a deep level of acceptance, not just for what's going on externally in our life, but for one, for like what's going on internally as well and how we see ourselves. You know, I, I, for the, I really feel fulfilled in my life and yes, I love my work and yes, I'm in a relationship that like is just beyond anything I dreamed of. Um, but those things complement my fulfillment, but they don't necessarily fulfill me. I'm able to appreciate them and really take them in because I, I filled myself up with enough love and enough acceptance. Do I walk around blissfully happy every day? No. Do I have my challenges? Yes. <laughs> are, 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 am I still on my knees sometimes going, what the fuck? Yes. But are those moments fewer and far between? Yes. And I've also, you know, had enough expectation hangovers to know and, and also had enough external success to know that fulfillment doesn't, doesn't come from inside. Mm-hmm. It really comes from, for me, a deep feeling of contentment and a deep feeling of acceptance and honestly not wanting anything different. You know, I have vision. I have desires. I have ways I want to be creative. You could say I have goals, but I'm... You know, I talk about this in expectation hangover. I pursue them with my secret sauce, which is high involvement and intention, but low attachment. Like, I don't want to die tomorrow. There's still more I want to do in life. But if I did, I wouldn't have a lot of regrets. You know, like I really feel deeply at peace with where I am in my life. Even, you know, when I'm going through hard times, there's still a peace. Mm-hmm. I, I've come to realize in my own life and working as somewhat of a therapist is like a non-clinical therapist. Um, in a lot of cases, I've, I've realized that peace really is the underlining, um, 
Yeah, it's it's almost hard to describe what I mean by that because like the mind wants to say like goal or like the yeah. thing, right? But really, like what are we seeking? We're seeking states of feeling, right? And we we yeah. associate that with a thing or a partner or a, even our purpose, which is a little bit of a trap and all these and all these things, right? So like what you just said there really really resonates with me so much because I'm very Type A. I was a high performance athlete. I was a semi professional athlete. In training for that most of my life, I had a set of knee injuries, worked through it, but then my life diverted and took me on a different path, which has led me to what Mm -hmm. I'm doing now. But over the last 10 years, I've gone through hell and high water so many times, it almost is all blurred together. Yeah. And go ahead. No, it's just when you were saying, you know, peace isn't a goal. I just had it just, you know, I really think peace is the entelechy of our soul. Like that's really Mm. it. You know, that's where the soul is headed. Mm. It just, it just wants peace. It, and, and in peace, we feel love. We feel oneness. We feel, you know, when we feel, you know, everybody just think about times you felt peaceful. You felt peaceful when you felt love, when you felt connected, when you felt like there wasn't a problem to solve. There wasn't anything wrong with you. Your nervous system was calmed down. So I think if, if souls have goals, which they don't, but just to give it context, if a soul had a goal, I think that would be it. So maybe just a different way we can say it is that like really peace is the entelechy of the soul. That's what we're all here to, um, to realize again. Right. Right. I want to touch on this thing that you brought up around the dark night of the soul. I'm actually, Mm. it's so interesting that that came up in that phrase. I'm working on one of my, um, my third book right now. And that's actually the chapter I'm working on is literally the dark night of the soul. I was working on it last night. And, um, you know, I was thinking to myself about my own experience of that. And then looking at all the different experiences people have had coming out of a phase, because it's a phase, it's a cycle, right? And I think that's an important way to contextualize that is that when you're in it, it's not forever, but it sure feels like it. And it's, it's a cycle and it's a necessary cycle of breakdown leading to reorder. It's almost like we go through these phases of disorder in order to reorganize our value system so we can, we can kind of like evolve to a higher order, which can actually lead us to what we really want, which is, I guess, underlying, underneath all of it is that peace. So, um, I, I, I guess where I want to go with this is what was coming up for me and, and one of the things that you said before, and I didn't want to forget it was this sense that when we're, when we're brought to our knees, as you mentioned, a lot of times we can go through these, these doubts, right? Like in our society, it's not okay to be in doubt. It's not okay to be uncertain. It's not okay to get the wrong answer. And yet I feel like from a spiritual perspective and a mental health perspective, being doubtful about something is not a bad thing. It shows humility. And isn't that what we need? Because if we're not doubtful, then we're overconfident. And that, that I think is one of the biggest challenges in our world. So I'd like for you to actually speak to the, speak to that perspective that you, you might have around, Mm -hmm. around the, like the, the beneficial part of the breakdown and actually being brought to your knees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's a, it's an unfortunate necessary part of being human because, you know, one of my teachers said um, that control is the universal addiction and, and the grandest illusion is that we're all addicted to this thing called control, but really we don't have any. We have free will, we have discernment, we have choice, but 
anything could happen. You know, we're, we're on this podcast right now thinking we have control over it, but at any moment, the internet could die, you know, just as a, as a minute example of, of how we don't have control. And so what I think having doubt is and having these dark nights of the soul it reminds us that we don't have control. And often we need that reminder to surrender. And, you know, I don't, I don't know where consciousness is headed, but just in the spiritual studying that I have done, you know, we are in a, I think history will look back at this time as a time of reawakening, a time when consciousness rapidly shifted. Because if you think of how long we have, as humans have been alive, and if you just look at the last hundred years, it's really been only in the last 10 that there's been this kind of massive awakening. And so we're kind of as souls speeding up a little quicker. And those, those dark nights of the souls are not only required to keep us humble and to remind us we don't have control, but it's, it's, how, it's how the soul works stuff out. You know, if everything's as a coach, for example, no one comes to me and is like, you know, Christine, everything in my life is really great. I'm totally happy. Nothing's wrong. I just thought we'd have a chat. People come because I've had an expectation hangover. Something isn't what they want, or they know that they've had dark nights of the souls that they've never really gotten through. And they've just kind of been like on crutches moving forward, hoping they're not going to like fall into another pothole. In those moments that we, that we're, desperate enough, humble enough to seek different wisdom, to seek answers, to work on the things. You know, I just had a call with a client before this and, you know, just for years, she's been carrying around an extra 30, 40 pounds. And, you know, she's tried all the diets and all the intuitive eating and all the programs. And I'm not discrediting those programs at all. I think they're helpful. And if you don't get to kind of the core wound that that like began the body holding on to extra weight because usually the body holds on to weight because it's the only way it knows how to protect itself. Very common for people, very common for people that have been abused, especially women. And I don't just mean sexually and physically, emotionally, verbally, because as a kid, you don't know how to energetically shield yourself. You don't know how to say, I'm sorry, but you can't talk to me like that. And I just know that you're throwing up your own anger on me. As a five-year-old, you don't know that. You just like take it all in. And so we carry this stuff around for years and years and years. And it is those dark nights of the soul where we kind of feel like we've lost control of everything. We're even afraid we're losing our mind that we're willing to start to look at the stuff that we haven't been willing to look at before. Does that make sense? Oh, it's beyond sense. I mean, I have to refrain from like, from going on tangentials from everything that you're sharing. I mean, <laughs> in my I mean, one one of the things you you brought up, which is really important, I think, um, is that um, you know when we are children, that core wound gets literally imprinted and then further crystallized through the myelination of the nervous system. The way that I look at it, I, I you know, I'm I'm a I'm a man, so not to say it's just men, but I'm like I'm very yeah. scientifically inclined, but I'm also very intuitive and I'm very spiritually orientated. So I'm always yeah. trying to create that intersection, kind of like the hemispheres of the brain between the the measurable and the immeasurable, knowing that they both exist and they're both valid and they both have their place, right? And so when we're children, it's almost like our 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 we don't have the 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 capacity to process, as you said. So it's like 
that all that tension and that psychic information redistributes into the body, into the tissues. And over time, it, it just, we, we don't, we can't process it. We don't know to shake it off. Yeah. We don't know to like, we don't know what to do. This, most athletes, because I grew up in an athletic culture, most of the greatest athletes are some of the most wounded people, especially, yes. you know, when you think about like the whole UFC phenomenon and football players, like the amount of trauma that people are carrying and trying to move unconsciously mm-hmm. is, uh, it's pretty profound. Yeah. And it just stresses the system out more. And I think it's, again, this kind of comes back to my concern with the motivational personal growth industry telling people basically just to push themselves. You're scared. Courage is how you build fear. Do it anyway. You're not tired. You're just lack inspiration. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Like, no, because you're going to blow out your nervous system. Speaking as someone who has blown out her nervous system. Me too. Yes. Fucking sucks because then you have panic attacks and those make you feel like you're dying and it's just it's just awful. <laughs> so, but sometimes you know, I was someone that needed, I guess, to kind of blow out my nervous system, and that was another dark night of the soul because I just thought I could just go. And that's the thing: we have these strong minds, and that's just like a little part. Like we have this like five percent consciousness that runs a hundred percent of the show, but really that we think runs hundred percent of the show, but really our unconscious programming and basically our nervous system and all the cellular memory is really running the show, not just in terms of our behaviors, but in terms of what we're attracting. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if you really want to date someone and you're on the apps and you've got your dating coach and your conscious mind is like, I'm ready to call this person. You have your vision board and you have your list and all that kind of stuff. Like your conscious mind might be like, yeah, I am nailing this. Like this person's going to come into my life. But unconsciously, if you have, you know, sexual abuse, you have it processed or a breakup, someone that broke your heart when you were 12 years old that you, you haven't gotten over and you're still making that mean that you're not worthy or you never got your mother's affection or your father's love. There's a deep fear and unworthiness and like energetic programming back there that literally will repel people from you or attract people that trigger those wounds. So I I just think we have to kind of slow everything down and really help people understand. And that's why I love psychology. That's why I love spiritual psychology. That's why I love behavioral psychology and why I'm not just a life coach is because nothing against life coaches. I think that, that, you know, coaching people on their goals and holding people accountable is important. And I also think it's important to have an understanding of psychology and how the brain works and how trauma works and how the nervous system works. Because, you know, people read, read a motivational book or whatever, and then they just beat themselves up more because they're like, well, if I say these affirmations and do this meditation and just think positively, then I should be able to shift things. And I'm not like, what's wrong with me? (laughs) And the thing is like, nothing's wrong with you. It's just, you don't have a deep level of understanding because even though we're all we're all similar. We're all unique. I mean, just, just what happened to you in the womb and your birth can impact things. You know, one thing somebody said to you in fourth grade could be impacting. And I'm not saying that we have to become bubble girl and bubble boy and like spend our life processing ourselves and figure out every nook and cranny. Usually we have, I like to call them corner pieces. You know how, um, if you have a jigsaw puzzle 
it's so important to find those corner pieces. Right. Because if you don't have the corner pieces, it's, it's hard to make sense of it. You kind of need right. those. And I really feel like we all have those like substantial corner pieces. And once we figure out those, then, then we get momentum and we don't have to process every little thing, but usually there are those corner pieces that once we process them and once we have understanding of them, things really do start to shift and change. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this, bringing this to um, the collective awareness, but just in this conversation, because this has been my, my issue, I guess, with the personal development and self-help movement. I've been involved. I grew up with it. I, you know, Tony Robbins since I was like 12 years old and, and just being so type A and, and coming from a broken family, coming from a wounded background, not to mention that I'm a man who was circumcised. So that, so right out the gate, I was I was traumatized without my consent right out the gate. I still uh, can't believe we do that to boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's actually. I mean, I'm not going go into a whole thing, but I did an interview with uh, Brendan Murato, who did the documentary American Circumcision, and mm. what came through that interview was this whole conversation around toxic masculinity, and we mm. trailed it back to like this one this one imprint that was laid out, and so just to further reinforce your point that. I think it's it's valid to say if you're a human being, you were raised by American parents. Not saying anything wrong with American parents, but you're raised in the Western world. Um, parents or no parents, you probably have some trauma. Just yeah. just on that. Not to mention the rest of your life experience. So let's just be honest about that. And what yeah. you're bringing up is so important because what I've experienced in the personal development industry, although I'm so grateful for it, was also the sense that I was broken. The sense yeah. that I was. Even this whole thing around alignment, like I, I believe in that, but like there's always this reinforcing thing of like, oh, if something's off or I feel off, that must mean I'm not in alignment. Some- right. Or if something bad happens to you, you've attracted it and you did something right. wrong. Right. Exactly. And so the, the narrative around it, I think, needs to change. And obviously, you're really bringing a voice to that, which I, I just greatly appreciate. Yeah. And I think it's important in the path, like to be willing, you know, to, once we're willing to do the work and once we're humble about it, once we get curious about it, the answers start to show up, you know, they really start to show up. Like with me, with rebuilding my nervous system, you know, there were certain specific people and specific healers that are random, you know, cause you know, you, you, nervous system, you hear like get off caffeine and do breath work and get into nature and all that's really important. but there were there were very specific things about my nervous system that I wouldn't have just gotten to on my own. But because I kept asking and I kept praying about it and I kept having compassion for myself and and knowing that nothing was wrong, but also that like that something felt off. And eventually like answers and the right people came. Like one thing that I learned, um, I walked really early. I was, and, and that was always such a cool thing. My mom was like, you walk before every other baby and da, da, da. And that's so my personality, like, right? Like I'm, I'm over like what's next, right? And now <laughs> it's, it's shifted. Um, but what I learned is that early walkers, generally they, crawling does something to the nervous system that helps calm and soothe the nervous system. So early walkers often have a more fired up, prone to fight or flight nervous 
gym response. Wow. And so I'm going to be doing these exercises with this brain gym play where I'm like going to be crawling on the floor and like helping repattern my nervous system. And so I just, I hope that in saying this, I'm not like overwhelming people and they're like, well, what's wrong with me? Mom, when did I walk? It doesn't matter. Just (laughs) trust, just trust that when you're in those moments where you're in uncertainty and you're in doubt and you have a dark night of the soul, if you're willing and if you're curious and you don't go into I'm broken, what's wrong with me? Really just keep following the breadcrumbs and the right people will show up. Mm. The answers will show up. It might take longer than you want. It might not be immediate, but I've noticed that the more I move into acceptance with what's up for me, as much as I may not like it, often the sooner I'm led to the answers that really help. And then to keep in mind that the answers aren't a quick fix, you know, to keep in mind that, all right, great. This is another breadcrumb to do this for a while, see how it shifts. And then, and then, you know, because again, I've finally accepted the fact that I'm a human being and I'm going to continue to grow and evolve, you know, and not that there's always going to be something, but whether, it's something that is an expectation hangover that I didn't choose, or I'm just consciously choosing to up-level myself. I'm always going to be growing. I, I really appreciate just how real and raw you are. And um, I mean, I couldn't agree more with everything you're saying. It's, and it's, so, it's so just absolutely essential to just put out there. I, um, what, what, comes to me, what came to me as I'm listening to you is that incremental incremental movement creates quantum leaps, right? Like even when we look at the timeline of evolution, all kind of the malarkey around that Darwinianism, all that kind of stuff, whatever your ideas around that are, I have a pretty diverse audience. One thing is pretty clear is that evolution appears to happen in quantum leaps, but it happens on a consistent incremental timeline. And then something happens like the moment. So in other words, the momentum builds up and then there's a spontaneous kind of shift in the environment or something and a mutation or whatever. And then, then there's this quantum leap. So I think what ends up happening is that a lot of us, and this could be the expectation thing, is that we're expecting something to dramatically shift. Like, hey, I watched right. The Secret. I saw The Secret. <laughs> so now it's like everything in my world is going to dramatically change. But it, it's like, no, that kind of doesn't work that right. way. Right, exactly. And it's interesting, like I what you said about the quantum leap, I feel like that's what's happening in human consciousness. Mm -hmm. Like if Mm -hmm. you look at, you know, human evolution, it's just been like, and then in the last, we'll say maybe 50 years, 10 years, whatever, it's like, you know, and it's not like we just got here. Right. So we have to keep that in mind. And also like one thing that I keep coming back to is I'm so grateful to live in a time where, you know, because if you think about it, even 50 years ago, when people were having a dark night of the soul, what options did they have? First of all, like there wasn't Google, you know, there weren't, you know, therapists or anything. Like, what did you do? You just kind of had to endure it. And so we're like, I just think we're so blessed. And so as much as it's hell to go through, I always keep in mind, not as a spiritual bypass, but just as reassurance I'm evolving my soul and I'm evolving human consciousness. Mm. Like I think that mm. anyone watching right now, because I know that your 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 tribe, they're all light workers. They're all people that are waking up. You know, they yeah. they they signed the contract coming in to be like, okay, 
couldn't do the work in this lifetime and it helped to evolve. A lot of them are probably looking for that contract right now. Yeah. They're like, I want to renegotiate. (laughs) 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 Believe me, I'm in a bit of that phase by myself where I'm just like, whoa, can I see that contract again? Because I may want to save some things for the next lifetime. (laughs) But then when I come back, I'm just like, no, this is... This is what I'm here to do. And that's why it's so beautiful to have communities like this and to have people and have people talking about it. And that's why I so openly talk about what I go through because, you know, it's just, it's just so good to feel like you're not alone, you know, and it's, it's good to have, like, I was talking to this, um, one girl on one of the calls and she, cause I do like group coaching calls and things like that. Um, and she, um, was like, basically was sabotaging everything in her life. Like she'd get so so far, but then she'd leave. And whether it be relationship or career or whatever. And that's a very common personality pattern for anyone who's had any kind of womb or early birth trauma Mm. because it doesn't feel safe to be. So they just want to leave. And it's also very, and so I asked her, I said, do you feel in your body? And she's like, no feel more comfortable in the spiritual world. And I like, don't feel connected to my body at all. Never common. So I said, what happened? And do you know if anything happened when your mom was pregnant with you? Like when you're in the womb and basically a very traumatic event happened, like very, and I don't want to share because I don't want to display her confidence. But a very traumatic event happened when her mom was pre- seven months pregnant with her. And I was like, my love, this is this is why you're doing this is because there's a part of your psyche that just does not feel safe to be in the world and is not fully here. And so I was able to you know coach her and counsel her around how she can resolve that pattern and how she can be here. And I'm so glad that that you know I've had the training that I have and and that I know that there's you know so much more to every person than them just not having motivation you know, or them just not having the right thought process or them just being scared. It's like, no, there's something deeper. And so I share this because I just want people to have so much compassion for themselves. Mm -hmm. And if you're in like a similar behavior pattern and you're getting frustrated and you're beating yourself up, just know that there's a reason you're in that pattern. Like the sabotager thinks it's protecting you because it doesn't feel safe. Any of these things that we judge so much are the things that have been protecting us and the things that are keeping us safe. So, you know, my mission is just to bring so much more compassion and understanding into personal development because I think that it's, it's kind of just gotten to a point where it's too forceful. It's a little too masculine. Yes. And that's not anything against the masculine. I love the masculine. I love men. I love my masculine. But we need to bring a little bit more of that that compassion and that deeper level of understanding and that slowing down and really helping people find their corner pieces. I, I mean, I, 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 again, I could not agree more. It's, it, this is such a, such an important thing. And, you know, I find like, for example, you know, from a Chinese medicine perspective, when we look at the, the emotional interpretation of the different organs, when we look at the kidneys and the adrenals, we're looking at willpower, we're looking at courage, mm-hmm. but we're also looking at fear. And so if somebody's yeah. adrenally exhausted, whether that's because of their physiological health or it's because they're too up here and they're yeah. so wound up that it's actually exhausted their adrenals, then totally. that, if somebody is is overrun with fear or exhaustion, 
That is not the time to be trying to inject them with motivational stimulus. That is the time that they need to actually do the exact opposite thing and really go within. So, I mean, this is just so important. Um, There's one thing I want to get your perspective on here. We were talking about the quantum leap, right? And one of the, Mm -hmm. so a a further um, thought process I have is that, once we do have those quantum leaps, right? Because we can get addicted to peak experiences, right? Whether that's sure. medicine, medicine, plant medicines, that's caffeine, that's anything that, that pumps us up to get through the day, or maybe we're looking for some form of enlightenment because we want to get out of the ditch. So we're, we want to get that peak experience. But what happens, or I should say, how do we stabilize the quantum leap? Maybe we do have an expansion in awareness or we mm-hmm. get that we get that, you know, we get through the thermostat of the money breakthrough or the relationship. Mm-hmm. What, what if we do get that relationship that we've been calling in, but then mm-hmm. everything else comes up, our, you know, in other words, our thermostat yeah. is hotter than we're used to. How does one stabilize a new level of growth and transformation without coming in and those self-sabotage patterns kicking in? Yeah. Well, yeah, the self-sabotaging patterns coming in are just like blowing out your system. Right. Mm-hmm. And I see mm-hmm. that happen for a lot of people that go into plant medicine journeys and um, oh, yeah. then get addicted to the plant medicine journeys because, you know, but a lot of times it can be dangerous because it can blow somebody open too much before they really have like the bandwidth. I was talking to a friend of mine earlier and she's like, yeah, it's like putting a rocket engine into a Volkswagen <laughs> and it, it just, it like, it's going to make it go, but that Volkswagen can't can't contain it. Right. So I think how we stabilize it is one, we've got to be um, really like in tune with our own system Mm -hmm. and like really in tune with what we need. And I think start to build, you know, one of my teachers, Andrew calls it build our capacity for well-being. Right. Really build our capacity to receive good because as we process trauma and as we start to let things go, what will tend to happen is there's space and something needs to fill the space. And so if we don't really fill the space with pleasure, with creativity, with Mm. gratitude, with well-being, then sometimes the old patterns will come back up because we haven't put anything new in. Right. Um, And so I think a big part of how we stabilize it is when we have those big you know, kind of moments is like putting kind of systems and practices into place that help us like stabilize that capacity for well-being. The other thing, again, I'm back to support, you know, having people that can help you integrate your experience after you have those big quantum leaps. Because I think another thing we're talking about is upper limits. Are you familiar with upper limits? That's exactly what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is, and I, I had that after, you know, meeting Stephanos, like when, when we got through the first five months of our relationship where it was like, ah, and we really got into, oh my God, this is like really good. Not honeymoon phase good. Like really like, like you're my soulmate person. Like, <laughs> and you're like the person I used to look up at the stars and talk mm. to when I was five years old, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and so, uh, oh, it just makes me, uh, um, but like it, it, like I really, my nervous system really had to like get used to that and like yeah. let let that love in. So I think a big part of it in terms of stabilizing it is knowing what's going on. And also for me, how I create more stability with this when it comes up 
is massive acceptance. So if I can count on myself to accept whatever comes up, the judge, the fearful one, the insecure little girl, whatever, the hypochondriac, the worst case scenario thinker, the saboteur, if I didn't say that, whatever it is, if I can be like, all right, and, and greet anything that comes up with compassion, be like, I know you're here to protect me. I know you're here because you know, you're scared. Like I accept you. I love you. That helps me build stability mm-hmm. is because I can feel confident and trust myself that when a part of me comes up, whether it be fearful or whatever, that I can greet it with compassion and acceptance. Yeah. Mm. Does that make sense? Uh, completely. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. taking it all in. It's, it's so spot on. And, th- and that's one of the reasons I actually reached out to Stephanos originally was because from a, from a masculine perspective, I had no use for someone to tell me to just do more. That's the last thing I need to do because the, the, I, could, I was doing enough on, of that on my own. I didn't need someone else coming in to, to reinforce that. What I needed was an actual embodied masculine mm-hmm. example that reflected, um, I don't want to say a higher version, but a, an upgraded version that was as relatable to where I'm at but also represented another level because I've been bumping up against my own upper level, upper limits. And with all the, all the knowledge and all the wisdom and insight around all of this that I I'm immersed into, I'm really good at helping people move through their upper limits. Mm -hmm. Like, like no, like no problem. But when it comes to me, somehow I'm a, I'm a more complicated science experiment with all these (laughs) weird, interesting patterns and different personalities at different times in the day. And I need, and, and I needed that kind of, I need, need and needed that reflection. First of all, just to know that it exists, yeah, right. Just to actually see it in front of me. And then to the next step, which you've mentioned is actually reaching out, which was a big step for me, reaching out vulnerable saying, Hey brother, like I, I respect you. I admire you. You're literally mm-hmm. living what it is that I aspire to live towards in my own greatness. And I need help. I need support. Mm-hmm. And then having the conversation. And, and, and so, yeah. so that, that, you know, and, and however that shows up for us, it's, it's, you know, I guess what I'm hearing is like, I'm hearing a lot, but it's, it's almost like, um, what's coming up for me is that as we're going through these, these, I guess these, we're bumping up against the upper limits, one way of saying it, we can be, it's really powerful to have an example or a model Mm -hmm. of somebody that has moved through their upper limits that we can relate to that we can actually, you know, like find the support, reach out for help. And, and, and then finally, what you said was putting in the systems, um, to actually stabilize that. Yeah. Yeah. To stabilize us, to ground us. And, and, and I think again, it like, I always come back to like my, my core, right. My, Mm. my belly and do as much as I can to be like, am I even in my body right now? Like, cause so many of us, one of our strategies for keeping ourselves safe is, Oh, let me just leave the body. (laughs) (laughs) And And so like just coming, you know, back and and, then the simple things. Um, but again, I think that especially after like a quantum leap experience or, you know, for somebody that's just done plant medicine or something, you have somebody that can help you integrate the experience and not just talk about it and talk about how beautiful it was or how many times you puked or whatever that (laughs) may be, but like more about 
you know, that can help you process it, you know, because it is, it is medicine and you don't go to your doctor. Well, in America, you kind of do, but in an ideal world, you wouldn't go to your doctor, they give you medicine and then they never follow up again. You know, the whole purpose of medicine is you test it, you, you see how it's working, you see how it's impacting you. And so I just think it's so important to do those things in really safe environments with really trusted people and, and help with the integration process because that creates stability. You know, we have a quantum leap of any kind or we have, we hit our upper limits. We need those people to help integrate. I mean, I've had to reach out to, to my team, um, not my work team, but like my, my spiritual support team mm-hmm. to help me integrate this, this amount of love that I'm experiencing. Mm. And, um, you know, Steph's great cause he's super, he's like a tree. He's my, you know, um, and it's interesting cause you know, we had our moments in our relationship where he, he kind of had a, a breakdown where he was quantum leaping, but he was, you know, in the falling apart a little bit. And mm. I was really kind of holding for a while. Mm. And, um, and now we're more in a phase where he's really, really holding for me. And I think that that's beautiful. And, and like just the example that you shared, you hold for people. And you have someone that holds for you. We're yeah. always like this, you know, one hand behind us and one hand in front mm. of us. And that's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing about humanity. And I think we need to put our egos aside yes. and not just be the helper um, and not just be the needy person that needs help, but just go, okay, who, whose hand am I holding behind me? Yes. And whose hand am I holding in front of me? Mm. And I'm always going to be both ways. And that helps me feel stable too, is yeah. I've got the people that I'm serving and I'm helping. And I've got the people that are serving and helping me. And mm. there's great stability in that. It, absolutely. The way, the way that I heard it ex- described at one point was that you have people that you reach up towards, people that you admire, and then you have people that you're, you're able to bring up. So essentially, you have people that right. bring you up and you have people that you bring up. So you're at the center of your own universe. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like that's interesting. It's an interesting example watching you do that. It almost like, how do we get back into our centricity? How do we stay centered? Well, we're not an island, right? So if we're only kind of narcissistically in our own little bubble, then that can lead to depression, isolation, right? But if we're totally. reaching out and we, we have, we're holding people and we have people holding us, that kind of like figuratively speaking, that, that to me actually is a new, a new kind of perspective on mm-hmm. like how do we get and stay in our center? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because to me, it's like there's ba- it's kind of like a cross, right? And, right? and it's the intersection of like the physical level world and the spiritual level world. Mm-hmm. And that's where balance really comes is that connection between, you know, earth and sky mm-hmm. and, and that connection between the oneness and all that is and, and the oneness that's inside of all of us. So it just like I kind of like doing that because it centers me right here in my heart. And, you know, that my heart, my core is where I find that stability. Yeah. Yeah. This is beautiful. I love talking to you. It's, this has been an absolutely incredible conversation. It it blew by so quickly. I know. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's so much more that I could dive into with you. I know we have a limited time frame, but I would like to, um, before we go into where everyone can find you, if they want to work with you, if they want to do one of your programs, they want to get your book, they want to find more um, of your information. I would love to kind of get a, maybe a sum, a summation of this conversation or what, what kind of valuable insights around all of this could you kind of distill for our audience as they integrate this? 
Well, I love what you said about, um, you know, we're not broken. Mm. You know, there's nothing to fix. We're not broken. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And the intelligence of our soul is to, is to evolve and ultimately to experience peace. And just know that any expectation hangover you have, any dark night of the soul, the intelligence of your soul will guide you through it. The more you resist the process by distracting yourself, by being a victim, or by being strong and just pushing over it, or numbing yourselves with drugs, alcohol, working, relationships, whatever, the longer it will take sometimes to start to find those, I don't like to say answers because there is no answer, but find those corner pieces, those things that breadcrumbs that lead to the next thing that leads to the next thing. So I think that we can't prevent our evolution. But we <laughs> and the more we resist it and, and white knuckle it, mm-hmm. I think the harder it is sometimes. But the more I have found acceptance is often my best medicine. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's in the acceptance that the right guides and the right answers per se start Ooh. to appear. Oh, you just, you just hit something so strong. Acceptance. I, I just I just caught it. It just hit me. I was just realizing every single situation that's brought up tension and pain, once I just accepted it, like, okay, this is what, like something as simple as like, okay, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. out of it. Or at least I'm not feeling that like holding pattern. It's like, yeah. okay, at least I can move on with my and find us and keep, keep the show going. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. That's powerful. Um, mm-hmm. Again, absolutely incredible conversation. Where can everybody find out more about you and how how can they get in contact with you if they want to um, go further? Sure. Um, Well, people just want a free gift from me. All they have to do is text my name, Christine, to the number 444-999. And, you know, for me, accessing my intuition, I had to get there through my logical mind. So the free gift is how to to make intuitive intuitive decision-making how to intuitively decision make. And Mm. I walk you through a process where I teach you how to get into your body and get into your intuition, but it's a very practical hands-on experiential process. And you'll also get a couple eBooks from me. So that's fun. And then I'm Christine Hassler. My website, Instagram is my most, most favorite. Um, my podcast called over it and on with it. I coach people live on the air. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, un, unscripted, unproduced, unedited, raw sessions with people. So, you know, every Wednesday, one of those airs. Every Saturday, I'll do like an interview or um, I'll just riff on something. But every numbered episode is a coaching episode with someone I've never met. They just come on and we go for it. So that's a great way to learn because you're hearing yourself and other people's words. And that's called Over It and On With It. Amazing. Okay, well, everyone... I, I highly recommend go right over to to the website, get your free gifts. I definitely recommend getting the um, the expectation hangover. Definitely mm-hmm. that. I mean, I, I need to actually hop on there and order that copy for myself because I know there's going to be some nuggets in there that are going to be timely. So again, yeah. Christine, I'm just so thankful for you making the time and sharing your wisdom sure. with all of us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. Mm, It is my pleasure. 
I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the Holistic Health and Human Potential show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.